When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We are recording on Monday morning, December the 9th. Whether you're watching live or archived, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, however you get the Tech Sideline Podcast, we're so glad that you could join us on what is going to be one of the busiest podcasts of the year. We're going to be talking about Justin Hamilton being promoted to Tech's new defensive coordinator. That's going to be the bulk of the podcast today. We'll talk about the rest of the coaching staff as there have been a couple of moves made by coach Justin Fuente. We will also discuss the news that came out on Sunday afternoon that Virginia Tech is heading back to the Belk Bowl to play Kentucky and towards the end of the podcast we will break down Virginia Tech's performance in men's basketball against Duke on Friday. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing the best producer in the land as always here on the podcast set. We've got our managing editor Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho Will Stewart. I'm your podcast host Evan Hughes. A reminder that this week and every week the Tech Sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individual individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the Fisher Law Firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, before we jump into it, if you're watching live on Facebook and you have a question, we will get to them at the end of the show. Be sure to start dropping them now. Malcolm will take them down, and we will get to those at the end of the podcast. Uh, gentlemen, good morning. It is a uh, cold, rainy day in Blacksburg, but it is hot, and it's, it's going to be a fire <laughs> podcast here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We a lot we, to get to today. We will try to do our best. <laughs> uh Chris, how was your Sunday? I think I saw you tweeted that you were glad you did not go to the gym. Oh, yeah. I was going to go to the gym at like 11. And uh, then we got a text from Virginia Tech saying, there's going to be an announcement very shortly about some coaching. I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to the gym right now. I've already put my pants on and everything. I was ready to, <laughs> ready to leave. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was my Sunday. Where was Will Stewart when the announcement was made? Well, Chris and I were communicating, and I said, uh, I got to go out and run some errands, man. I got to do some Christmas shopping and stuff like that. And, Did you get the tree? Uh, no, we've had the tree done for, for a while. Uh, I had to go out and, you know, just do some stuff. And so, you know, we made sure that Chris was on, on duty, and he uh, – Chris worked hard, man. And so – what happened was once Hamilton was announced, man, the, the texts and phone calls just started flying. Emails, Twitter, you know, and I don't mean the public Twitter stuff you can see. I mean the DMs, mm. you know, so a lot of information going back and forth, a lot to digest. Good day for the message boards yesterday? 
Yes. Probably. I, I, I haven't we don't I don't know any numbers, but it seems like they were rolling pretty good. <laughs> we we had a good day for message board ad revenue. I'll just put it that way. There you go. Yeah. Smiles you on the podcast set. Listen, let's dive right into it because we have a lot to get to today. And again, the Hokies and Justin Fuente making the announcement yesterday that Justin Hamilton has been promoted to defensive coordinator for the Hokies. Of course, he is going uh, to take over for the legendary defensive coordinator Bud Foster, who we played under. Of course, Justin Hamilton, someone who played uh, for Foster and Beamer at Virginia Tech and I do want to start this off by kind of uh, uh, recapping what he's done in Blacksburg as a coach before getting promoted Uh, in 2018 he was the director of player development Uh, and then this previous year this current season he was the safeties coach for Virginia Tech again getting elevated to defensive coordinator Uh, for those that not that did not see the press release that was put out yesterday I want to read the uh, a couple of sentences uh, a quote from Justin Fuente about the announcement of Justin Hamilton as defense coordinator he said quote uh, Justin has earned this opportunity to lead our defense and our football team everyone in our program has a great deal of respect for him and his abilities coach Foster has reiterated to me on several occasions that Justin is ready for this next step in his coaching career I feel the same way and I'm convinced he's exactly the right fit for this role at Virginia Tech. Coach Hamilton is a talented coach and recruiter with a deep passion for both the game and Virginia Tech. He possesses a great knack for connecting with our players. Close quote. So, the announcement finally came out. No more flight tracker season. No more uh, searching on Twitter. The announcement is here. It's an in-staff hire in Justin Hamilton. Will, I'll let you get the first word on it. What were your initial thoughts on the hiring of Justin Hamilton? So, let's go back. uh, I think it was last Monday where... uh, I said something like, uh, well, at first we heard that they had a handshake deal with somebody, and second we heard that uh, the next defense coordinator is already on staff. And then, uh, and then you know, the Odom stuff started, and I think that kind of stalled everything. So, so it was interesting. Uh, um, you know, the handshake deal is one thing. That could have been with anybody. Uh, for instance, Blackwell at, uh, at ODU, he was, he was out of a job and was going to be out of a job, and everybody knew it. So, you know, that could have been him. And, and now that it's all water under the bridge, I can say that the person who told me that the next defensive coordinator was already on staff is a person who talked to Bud and said, hey, Bud, how about the next defensive coordinator? And Bud said, hey, he's already on staff. And that's how that got to me, is that Bud said that to someone and then, it, then that someone said it to me. So I thought about that, uh, you know, you know, Bud, uh, Bud likes to talk. Bud could have just been, you know, uh, Bud wanted Justin Hamilton to be defensive coordinator. So Bud was in his corner and he could have just been saying to this person, hey, you know, just kind of half kid and half serious. Sure. Uh, that doesn't mean that they had a handshake deal with Justin Hamilton at the time. And I'm sure these questions are going to get asked to Fuente and I'm sure he's going to dodge it. Hey, when did you know you wanted him to be your defensive coordinator? Can you give us a timeline? And He'll, he'll dance around it, I think. So we'll never really know. But um, I, so handshake deal already on staff. And I got to think, man, who could that be? You know, and and Hamilton was was one I thought about. And, you know, it, it was funny. I was looking at the homepage of the website this morning and Chris wrote an article the other day. And the headline was words to the effect of Justin Puente's most important hire. Mm-hmm. And he has hired a how old is he how old is justin hamilton chris uh same class as me so 36 going on 37 he has hired a 36 or 37 year old to take over for a legendary defensive coordinator and run a power five defense with 
very little coaching experience. It is, uh, the, man, Fuente, <laughs> one of the things I heard is that Fuente really likes Justin Hamilton. Had said to him at one point, you know, once Bud announced his retirement, uh, Fuente supposedly said to Hamilton, um, whatever happens, you will have a position on my coaching staff. So he really likes Justin Hamilton. Boy, does he really like Justin Hamilton. <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've made the, I've made, I think, I, I think in, uh, in, in writing articles in the past, I've, I've used the expression that uh, Fuente is going to die on the evaluation hill. You know, he's not a big recruiting guy. He's not a big flashy recruiting guy. Evaluation and development is where he hangs his hat. Well, he's he's hanging his he is pitching his tent with Justin Hamilton. I mean, this is a big deal for for Fuente to hire Hamilton like this, and I guess it says a lot about how uh, how Fuente feels about Justin Hamilton. We have to call him Hamilton and Fuente because they both have the same first name, <laughs> right? You know, so you Justin gotta, and Justin. Um, and and I don't want to keep talking and talking and talking and rambling, but I have a lot of thoughts on this that that will come out through the course of the podcast. But just I wasn't totally surprised by it. But still, you know, you just kind of cock your head and go, wow, that, that's a ballsy move for a guy like Fuente who is in the position he's in to basically uh, – I can't find the phrasing I'm looking for – basically hitch his wagon to Justin Hamilton's success. So – and these are some of the things we can talk about during this podcast today are, okay, you hired a really young guy with not much experience. How are you going to support him? How are you going to make sure that he's successful? So. Again, Chris, your your initial thoughts just before you went to the gym and you saw it. What did you think? Uh, I didn't really think anything either way. I said this on the board yesterday. I don't have an opinion on it yet until I see what happens with the staff around him. I mean, right. I spoke with someone at Tech yesterday, and he said we hope to have some more answers within the next twenty four to forty eight hours. So there could be more news about the staff coming out. It could come out during this podcast for for all I know. Yes. Yeah, so so, Evan, so Evan, all thoughts at this point are incomplete. In addition to the hire of Hamilton, you need to put the other two pieces of news out there so everybody know everybody's on the same page, and that is uh, Burden and Mitchell. Yep, yep. And, and we can get into that right now. That was at the bottom of the press release for those that uh, uh, did not read the full thing was that uh, Fuente confirming that assistant coach Don Burden, who coaches the running backs, and Brian Mitchell, who coaches the cornerbacks, will not be returning to the Virginia Tech coaching staff. So to so, so I interrupted to, to get that out there because when Chris said that this person told him more information might be coming, it's not about Burden and Mitchell. That was already out there. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. And I'll, I'll go ahead and talk about it because it's on message boards. It's on Twitter. It's everywhere. Um, you know, the word is Charlie, Charlie Wiles and will not be retained as defensive line coach. I suspect the reason that that was not announced yesterday is because they're going to offer Charlie – a support staff position whether he'll take it or not i don't know um no no way to know i don't know how much money would tech would offer or how much money he could get somewhere else uh so the ball would be in charlie's court from that standpoint so we already know that, well let me back up a little bit i heard that bud foster was the was the guy who, who recommended hamilton to justin fuente or I should probably rephrase that. Justin Hamilton was the guy Bud Foster recommended to Justin Fuente. I know a lot of people think that would be Tory and Gray. That's not true because Bud is higher on Hamilton as a coach than Tory and Gray. Um, or as a defensive coordinator, at least, that, that he's higher on Hamilton. So, and he basically made it very clear to Fuente, if you hire Justin Hamilton, then you've still got me. 
You've still got me as game planner. Bud Foster. Foster. You've still got me as game planner. You've still got me as a scout. All that stuff. You know, obviously you don't have me during games anymore. But I'm basically – Bud Foster is basically going to be the best defensive analyst in the country. Right? So all these other staffs that have – you know, these massive support staff and these analysts and things like that. Well, now Tack has the best one out of all of those. By hiring Justin Hamilton, who will be the most inexperienced defensive coordinator in the country, you get the absolute best defensive analyst in all of college football. Maybe you get Charlie Wiles as a second defensive analyst. I mean, and, that, and that's a big deal because you look down at Clemson, or, and they've got the former head coach at South Carolina on their support Brad staff. Brad Scott, right. yeah. You look, you look down at Alabama, and they've got the former head coach at Tennessee and the former head coach at Houston on their support staff. Um, so yeah, and, and let me jump in here. We've talked about this before. Uh, schools like Alabama and Clemson have, have large support staffs, larger than Virginia Tech's. And Virginia Tech might hire, you know, guys that got this, guys that they pay fifty to eighty grand and have certain experience levels. Clemson and Alabama are hiring guys at two hundred fifty k a year who are former head coaches. Who are former and coaches, like that. right? Right. It's not just the number; it's the quality. It's, it's the quality. So Tech is adding big time quality and Bud Foster to their support staff. You go out and hire a guy like Barry Odom, that doesn't happen because. I don't think that's a situation Foster would be comfortable with, and I don't think that's a situation that Barry Odom would be comfortable with. Because yeah. um, they run different schemes and have different ideas and things like that. So I, I just uh, so you gain Bud Foster by by hiring Justin Hamilton, basically. And I'm I'm seeing evidence, I think, that Witt wants to build a large support staff. He wants maybe wants to go the Clemson route, and. By hiring Hamilton, you give yourself that opportunity. Uh, look, Virginia Tech does not have a money tree. I mean, th- this is an athletic department that ranks in the bottom half in revenue. Like we, we in can't, Power Five. We're in Power Five. Yeah, so this, this is not a program that can compete with Clemson, Alabama, and all those schools with money. So we have to find – we. I said we again. So te- <laughs> tech, right. tech has to find different ways. And so if the, you want to compete on the support staff trail, which is obviously key to – winning championships these days and you got to find a way to make that money you got to find a way to have that money to pay those people and and so instead of spending over a million dollars on bud foster's replacement i don't know how much they're going to hire Jay well one, one of the one of the pieces of information that flew around in all the different venues yesterday was that they're going to pay hamilton about five hundred thousand a year okay four to five hundred thousand a year so that's five hundred thousand you're not spending that's that's what you're spending on support staff yeah. um and I'll also talk about the Cornelson thing. Um, you know, there's rumors that Fuente is looking around there. Ultimately, I don't think that will happen. But if it does, it could be – I don't think Virginia Tech can afford an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator who's both making $1 to $1.5 million a year. I just don't, I don't think Tech can go in that ballpark yeah. because they don't have as much money as the schools that do stuff like that. Um, so you have to pick one side of the ball. So if if you do get Hamilton, and then you spend some of the leftover money on support staff, maybe that there is more of a chance you can go with a high-profile offensive coordinator if you want to go that route. Um, I don't think ultimately that's what Tech will do. Um, Well, so so a point to be made here is that that Justin Fuente, because of his offensive background, can can in effect be that analyst, right? 
you know, uh, uh, some head coaches can't do that. Like like Barry Odom's a defensive coach, right. for example. As a head coach, he's not really going to – I don't want to insult Barry Odom, but he's not going to be as of much value on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Fuente is a guy that can, that can have a lot of input to the offensive side of the ball, not necessarily the defensive side. Yeah. So when you keep Cornelson, you're, you're – you're, you're uh, eliminating the need, quote unquote, to hire additional offensive analysts because you've got a pretty good one as your head coach. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. That's true. a half baked idea right off the top of my no, head. No, no, <laughs> you're absolutely right because if you're Virginia Tech, you can't spend money on everything. Like Texas pays their defensive coordinator 1.7 million dollars, which was more than Tech's offensive and defensive coordinator combined. Yeah, that's right. then they just fired him, so now yeah. they're going to be paying two of them. Right. Well, well, Rutgers is paying. What did you read the other day? That seven point Ru- seven million in support staff and, uh, and assistant coaching salaries. Support staff. Well, wow. so, well, staff. staff, coaching staff. So four million to Greg Schiano and seven point something well, million. Uh, to, and as a comparison, Texas assistant coaches, just the assistant coaches, make something like three point. I don't know three point something. Yeah. So you're talking about over four million dollars more than the tech assistant assistants make. So it seems to me like Rutgers is either trying to go in big time on with huge coordinator salaries or a big support staff or both. Right. When you see that big number ten money, out. baby. But you know the whole point here is the whole staff thing is still evolving. Um, we're not going to have answers for a while. We've even heard that Fuentes made one. Fuente and Hamilton have already basically made one defensive hire, but it's not going to be announced until after the bowl game because that coach is coaching in a bowl game, right? So this is not going to be complete until right. after the new year, most yeah. likely. So don't don't expect overnight answers for all this stuff. And don't ask us who that person. And don't is. ask us we who that person know. is. We don't know. We're not going to know. <laughs> let me let me let me jump in real quick. Again, we're talking about uh, Justin Hamilton being hired as the next defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Fisher Law Firm. One thing that we've talked about all year on the podcast is about the defense and how much is coming back and how much talent there is. But then we talk about it and Chris will say, well, we don't know if we're going to be calling it the backer position next year and all of that. Mm -hmm. How much of it do you think is it that Coach Justin Fuente really likes the scheme that Bud Foster has and wants to try and keep that intact with everything that's coming back? I think that might be part of it. Uh I think any scheme can be successful if, if you recruit the right personnel to it and and it's well coached. Um, I, I do think it wouldn't be the ideal year to change schemes with so much talent coming back. It's Next year's not going to be a rebuilding year, all right? If you want to change schemes, you do it in a rebuilding year where you're not going to be as good either way. Um, so I, I, think, so I, I think that may be a little bit of it. I also think it's a culture hire. Like I used to think Virginia Tech to try to emulate Clemson, but I I, I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, I think well, they should in certain ways, but ultimately I don't think they they're going to be able to emulate the Clemson model. I think they're more likely to have success emulating the Wisconsin model, and Wisconsin's been really good at understanding who they are, understanding their culture, and that's why they win ten games every year with recruiting classes that rank between thirty and forty. Yep. Uh, their defensive coordinator is an exact Justin Hamilton replica. He played in the uh, had a longer NFL career, but I think he graduated from Wisconsin the same year uh, as Hamilton graduated Tech, 2005. He was in the NFL until 2014. Not sure what he did in 2015, but he was Wisconsin's defensive backs coach in 2016, and then they hired him in, as their defensive coordinator in 2017. And that's a pretty darn good defense, right? Uh, two Gave top Ohio State's the, in trouble. The other day. The, the, their their worst defense in those three in that three year span was number twenty nine in the country. 
Um, the other two ranked in the top ten. One of them even ranked second in the whole country. So, and he had no experience. He had less experience than Hamilton. Hamilton has been a defensive coordinator before at a lower level, but he's been a defensive coordinator. So just because he lacks experience doesn't mean he's not going to do a really good job um, because the, the Wisconsin example says he might. And, and I, I do think Virginia Tech has to strike a balance of – understanding their culture and what's made them successful for a long time yet and also bringing in new ideas and tweaking things a little bit like that and and, and I think you're going to see maybe a little bit of that with a new defensive staff like I, it's an opportunity to freshen things up so you still run Tech's defense Hamilton's going to tweak it a little bit to his liking um and maybe you'll see a coach or two brought in from the outside that have new ideas, um, freshen things up. All coaching staffs need to be freshened up to a certain extent every every few years. And it doesn't mean I'm saying a coaching staff should be completely gutted every few years, but one to two changes every now and then uh, are, are good, in, in my opinion. Um, and, I, and I think Fuente sees this as an opportunity to, to do that. Will, I want to bring up a point we were talking about off the air before the podcast started. With Coach Hamilton and this hiring, him uh, being young, and there's no doubt that, as the, the, the quote from Coach Fuente said, the guys really respect him, the coaches really respect him inside the program. What does he bring to the table for recruiting, in your estimation? Just being young and having the energy. You know, uh, um, I am going to turn 55 at the end of this month, and uh, – I, I've, I've seen in myself just in the last five to ten years, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've developed an appreciation for how hard football coaches work during the season because we work hard just covering the team. I get worn out just covering the team. And although I worked hard as, as hard when I was younger, it didn't quote-unquote wear me out. And I got a couple stories about being worn out that I won't bore you with. Maybe that's for a later podcast where it actually affected me physically this year. Um so you get to be this age and you just even if you want to you just there are just things you can't do anymore you know and that's where you know as as much as uh i think any business not just not just not just a football team i think any business tries to strike a balance between having older guys that really know their stuff and have a lot of good experience but just might not have the edge or the energy anymore and, and mixing in younger guys who can bring that energy and that edge. So uh, I don't know if I even answered your question, but that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Uh, while Chris was talking, I had a couple thoughts I wanted to get out there that aren't, that aren't related to your question. Um, you know, when, when there was supposedly flirting going on between Tech and, and Barry Odom, that looked like a really good hire. A really good hire. Um, and, and, and I thought about this because Chris brought up Clemson. Um, I think that there is a contingency of the fan base that really wanted to win the press conference, really wanted to make a whiz-bang hire. Uh, a guy like Odom would have, would have been a really good hire from that standpoint, and he would have been really expensive. So you could sit there and say to yourself, oh, look, that's how Clemson did it. We're going to do it that way too. Mm, maybe not. Maybe you got to take a different path, and, and that's kind of how I view things now. Uh now, Virginia Tech will win the press conference in a lot of ways because that's, that's Justin Hamilton. That's our boy. He's from Clintwood. He played at Tech. You know, he's our guy. We need a Tech guy. That'll win the press conference with a lot of people. 
but the the contingent of, contingent of the fan base that wanted to see a big, sexy, expensive hire, this isn't it. Um, it's a hire that the more we think about it, the more we understand it and we see how they're going to make it work. But uh, that, once, that segues into another point I wanted to make is that there are so many positions on this coaching staff that are that are in play now. The yep. ones ones we already know let's, about. Let's transition into that. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we'll see what direction they go in. Are they going to hire reputable, experienced people um, that that you recognize? Are they are they going to do something like promote Jack Tyler and have Jack Tyler be your linebackers coach? That's another guy that I've heard through the grapevine that Bud Foster really likes. Let me jump in real quick and let you keep going. These are the position groups, coaches right now, that have an open spot on yeah. roster. So you've got the cornerbacks, Corners. the linebackers, because Bud Foster was also the linebackers well, By coach. the way, Hamilton is still going to coach safeties. He's gonna, still going to coach safeties. Yeah. Yep. Safeties and whip, assuming ever the positions it's still have the same, same names and yeah. everything next year. So, yeah. so corners, linebackers, linebackers, running backs, and those are the three right now. And then – Rumored is defensive line. Um, and I don't know about off- offensive coordinator. I don't want to go down that branch of this tree. We'll, ju- we'll just see how that yep. stuff goes. Go with what we know right now. Yeah, that, that's a – so um, Three's a lot to begin with. So one of the things I'm wondering as I think about this more and more is that uh, – so you get Hamilton cheaper than a guy like Odom. Maybe it's – you might have had to spend a million and a half on Odom. Never mind the coaches he was going to bring yeah. with him. To get him, you would have had to because he's going to have head coach offers most yeah, likely. And, and, like, and, like if he gets an offer as head coach from Colorado State, I man, think they, you got you to take that. I think that's a good job. They, they paid their last head coach $1.8 million. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to match that if you're Virginia Tech? Is it even smart to match that? Mm. And again, for those that didn't listen to our last podcast, Barry Odom was Fuente's defensive coordinator in Memphis who's just coming off a head coach stint at Missouri in the SEC. yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's probably being romanced for, for – well, I heard he was being linked with the Colorado State job. That's a good job. They got a, I think we talked about this the other day. They Memphis got, they got now. A, they got a yeah. brand – Memphis, Memphis pays their head coach over $2 million. Memphis has turned into a good job. They've had two straight coaches be successful there, and that program's got some mojo now. And, and are they going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl? Is, did I that, believe that – well, I, I didn't look I at the rankings. But the they, they were the highest-ranked team, and they won against Cincinnati. So I'm assuming so that probably, they should yeah, be, yes. So, so that, that's a darn good job. That'd be a great landing spot for yep. Odom to go from the SEC to that. That's a pretty good job. So anyway, back to the topic. Um We'll have to see how everything shakes out, but I'm I'm wondering if the shift is towards, uh, in a lot of instances, younger uh, position coaches who we hope will be better recruiters, backed up by analyst types like Bud, who's going to be an excellent one, maybe Charlie. You know, um, who can who know exactly what to do from Nexus and O standpoint, but if you're but they just don't want to go out and recruit anymore. Yeah, you know, or or just can't can't bring the energy and focus to it you know that that, that a younger guy can um and justin justin fuente is a smart guy we you know we we say this over and over and over about him he's a smart guy he's very self-analytical um when we sit here and, and look at this horrendous 2020 recruiting class and i don't want to insult the individual players i'm saying and, and i'll go back to it Top 25 players in Virginia, top 25 players in North Carolina, Virginia Tech's getting one of them. That kind of thing, anything that even resembles that can't keep happening. And, and Justin Fuente's no dummy. He knows that. He knows that recruiting needs to improve. 
And so that's what I'm watching for as he makes all these coaching changes. It's not just about the X's and O's and being an analyst and, and how is uh, Justin Hamilton going to adjust in game? Is he going to be as good as Bud? You know, <laughs> not likely because Bud was one of Nobody the best. Nobody is, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also the recruiting aspect aspect of it. So you know, keep an eye on that. Uh, you know, again, do want to bring this up just a little bit too about Zon Byrne and Brian Mitchell not returning. And, and he just it just freshen up. Is that kind of the the reasoning, would you say, behind that? Uh, just trying to Mitchell's, like you were Mitchell's always seemed like the odd man out since he got here. Like no tech fan and no – well, a lot of tech fans and almost all of tech players aren't going to be happy unless there's a former tech guy coaching the secondary. That's just what the Torian Gray era has turned us into <laughs> as a fan base and things like that. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if the cornerbacks coach turned out to be a, a tech guy. Um, you're you follow the NFL. How is uh how is the how are the Texans doing this year? Specifically, how uh, is their secondary doing? I, I not off the top of my head do I know. Um, okay, but they're in contention to win in their division. division. I will say, quick shout out: Kendall Fuller had a huge play yesterday against Tom Brady. Um, for the Chiefs. the reason I asked that question is because Anthony Midget is the Texans' defensive backs coach. Yeah. Um. So, and I guess that there are other candidates as well. Uh, I, and Pearson Prelo's already on oh, staff. Pearson Prelo's he's, he's the interim. He's the interim cornerbacks coach. Because let's be clear, Mitchell and Burden are not going to coach the ball game. Right, and then Charlie May. Charlie May or may not. We'll yeah. see. Uh, depends on other job offers he gets and things like that. Yeah. And uh, Adam Lechtenberg is coaching the running backs in place of Zon Burden. Um, so. What was the original question? So wait a minute. Just that, 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 before we get to that, that sends a thought through my mind. Supposedly all this recruiting that uh, Virginia Tech is doing in Texas is driven by Bo Davidson. Bo Davidson. Is Bo a GA? Is that yes. his position? Yes, and I, I don't, don't know if it's defensive line or offensive line. Might be a spot for him on this staff. Interesting. So. And listen, that does bring up an interesting point about the bowl game, which we're going to talk about uh, here on the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We talked about Coach Hamilton. We're going to talk about the staff a little bit longer and then get into the bulk bowl. So in a position where there's going to be some interim spots, lead, there's a bottom line, there's a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. on this coaching staff leading up to the bulk bowl against Kentucky. And there's going to be, continue to be some moving parts through the new year. If what we heard yesterday is correct, and, and at least one hire is not going to get announced until after the bowl game, because I guess Tech was hiring someone away from someone else who's in a bowl. Uh, so, so be sure to go to those Tech sideline message boards and hit refresh every hour, half yeah, between hour, now and then, every five and January minutes 1st. between now and January first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't know what you're going to miss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so don't expect every every question you have to be answered today or tomorrow or this week i mean that this is going to be a process that most likely will last through early january yeah. all right well let's go ahead and transitioning and we talked about coach hamilton being hired new defense coordinator of the coaching staff transition to the other news that came out about an hour and a half after the coach hamilton news and that is that virginia tech is headed back to the bulk bowl for the first time since they won it back in 2016 fuente's first season the epic come from behind win against Arkansas. Uh, their opponent was kind of up in the air. I They're, started writing three different articles in about 20 minutes. Man, that was in flux the whole Co- time. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but it sounded yeah. like it could have been App State and Mississippi State coming into the day, and then Tennessee made a strong push, and then it ended up being Kentucky. It sounded like it was going to be Mississippi State at first, so I started writing that article, got two or three paragraphs in, even put a spot to embed the dog urination video to let yeah. people know this is why Mississippi State's even bowl eligible to begin with. Yeah. Uh, then it looked like it was going to be <laughs> Kentucky, 
So I started writing that one. And then it looked like I only got about a paragraph into that one before it flipped. Oh, it's Tennessee. And I'm like, jeez. So I started typing that one up. And then, oh, it's Kentucky again. I'm like, I'm out. I'll just wait. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll just wait. And that wasn't any help at all through all this. (laughs) Um, So uh, finally it came out Kentucky. It's a different matchup, man. On paper it sounds good. Their offense is not good on paper, and their defense is very good on paper. Uh, they have an Australian, Australian yeah, rules so football punter. Yes, that should be entertaining. Max Duffy, is that his yeah, name? Duffy it. versus Bradburn. Exactly. So what concerns you is their offense is so unique. You know, after five games this season, they moved a wide receiver to quarterback. <laughs> and in their last game against Who Louisville. Who does that? <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky, apparently. <laughs> well, they, uh, they moved – him and in their last game against Louisville now granted it was raining but they threw the ball two times the whole game and rushed for 517 yards I think they only threw the ball six times in the game before that overall his last two games that guy has like 413 rushing yards and on the year he's rushed for 1265 yards and remember he didn't play quarterback the first five games of the season he, he might have run a couple jet sweeps right, while right. he's playing wide receiver right so I uh, now, earlier they did throw the ball more. Now, the last two weeks it was raining against Louisville, and the week before that it was UT Martin. They'll probably throw the ball 10 to 12 times against Tech, but you get the general point here. Paul Johnson is watching a Louisville game right now and, and really enjoying it. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> He's got I, an endless I, loop there. And That's I don't know ball. what kind of offense it is. Like, I don't know if they're just running read option all the time. I don't know what the offense looks like. I know it revolves around the quarterback running the football, though, which – Honestly, which is scary if you think about what Perkins did in his last game. But at the same time, Perkins did all his damage on plays that weren't designed. As far as I know, Kentucky, all this success is coming from design plays, which makes me worry a little bit less. But uh, it'll be a very unique challenge for Bud Foster in his final game. And Bud's in Illinois right now um, because his mom mom passed away this past past week. so he's not out recruiting. So when he gets back to Blacksburg, he's not going to be worried about recruiting. He can dive into Kentucky 100% full-time. Still, with all this turmoil on the coaching staff, I'll be really impressed if Tech wins this game. Now, yeah. Now, there is a Kentucky beat writer uh, who is uh, – he, he may have been uh, delving into a little bit of clickbait when he said this on Twitter, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but uh, – um, apparently, Kentucky did have some sort of press conference yesterday, and, and I, I don't even remember the name of this quarterback, this uh, wide receiver turned quarterback that we're talking about. I wrote it in my article yesterday, and I've already forgot. I it. do not believe he was at the uh, press conference yesterday, but a couple other players were. And one of the reporters asked one of the other players about this quarterback playing in the bowl game. And apparently, the other player said words the effect of, oh, you know, I don't know. You'd have to ask him about that. <laughs> so apparently, there's some rumors starting up. That, uh, that this quarterback m- might sit out the bowl game. Uh, that would be interesting. And um, and Kentucky fans on Twitter are saying, well, if he's not going to play, why even go? You know? <laughs> right. So, so you've got all, all this turmoil on the uh, Virginia Tech coaching staff, and you've got the possibility that Kentucky's quarterback might sit it out. That's not and, and that's why bowl games these days, they're just not what they used to be because you don't know one team, their players don't care about that particular bowl or don't want to, you know, and just don't want to be there. In another case, you've got a coaching staff in flux. Uh, 
you know, there's no point in having Zon Burden and Brian Mitchell coach in the bowl game when they know they're not going to be back next year. What yeah. incentive is there to work really, really hard at preparing for Kentucky over the next three weeks? No, they're going to want to be out looking for their next job, right? Yeah. Uh, as they should. Lynn Bowden. Is their name. Lynn Bowden. That Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden Jr., right? I don't know. He might be a junior. He's just two of eight passing. Like it, like it, and the, over the last two weeks. Yep, over yeah. his. Yep. So that's according to uh, right. Chris's article, which is on TechSideline.com right now. Um, would have been interesting, Will, to have a Tennessee Tech matchup in the bulk bowl. That kind of uh, that that would have sparked the fans up, wouldn't it? A little bit, a little bit extra. Yeah, that that made that 2009 Chick Fil A Bowl really, uh, really good. I uh, still to this day wish I'd gone to that, but that was back in the streak where Virginia Tech was losing every ball game that I went to, so yeah. I decided not to go. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The Tennessee fans really had Tech fans outnumbered big time, but uh, Tech Tech had the better part of the game. Um, and then, of course, there's the uh, the Bristol Motor Speedway game, right. battle at Bristol that, yep. that, that Tech lost. So it would have been nice to get back at them for that. So switching gears to Kentucky, these two teams have not played since 1987. Which was Frank Beamer's first year as Virginia Tech's yeah. head coach, to put that into perspective. So, of course, Kentucky won. It was like 31 to 10 or something like that. And I don't even – I think the game was at Kentucky. My senior year in 86, Virginia Tech played Kentucky in Lane Stadium on VT's way to go into the Peach Bowl and win in the Peach Bowl. And this is when Kentucky was an independent, right? They had not joined the SEC yet? You know, Because Tech used to play South Carolina back then, too. South Carolina was an independent. I thought Kentucky's always been in the Have SEC. They? Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Well, who, who, who else joined in 1992? Well, Arkansas got added late. Okay. Uh, Arkansas was the, the okay. trigger that started the whole thing. Okay. Um, so I think Kentucky's always okay. been in the SEC. Uh, but when I was a senior, uh, um, you know, Tech had a kicker, Chris Kinzer, who just couldn't miss that year. Um, I'm exaggerating, but I do think he made 17 in a row, and that's pretty good for a guy who – kicks he was he was a straight on style kicker and uh they had a really it was a rainy game in lane stadium the tech wound up winning 17 15 on a uh uh field goal as time expired i think it was a 50 yard field goal that, that kinzer kicked at the very end as time expired and it was one of those deals where tech had no timeouts and the players were running on the field and setting up real quick and boom he kicks it and uh, and wins the game and uh yeah i listened to that one on the radio well, that was you talking about the peach bowl no, I'm talking about 1986 Kentucky Inland yep. Stadium during the regular season. I listened to that one on the car radio because I was on my way to William and Mary to go to a dance with a uh, a friend of mine. Um, so I just remember driving down 64 and being just riveted to the radio. And the and it wasn't Bill Roth. This was pre Bill Roth. It was Jeff Jeff, Jeff Charles. Charles. You yeah. know where he is right now? Is he still in East Carolina? He's in East Carolina. Yeah, a little hokey trivia for you. Man, there. you know, so so there are two guys that I just don't know that they made the right move. Jeff Charles left Virginia Tech to go to ECU, and Rod Sharp left Virginia Tech to go to Rutgers. <laughs> you know, and that, that's like <laughs> – Who was the, who was the uh, baseball announcer who just uh, who just retired? Brenneman? Yeah, Marty Brenneman. Uh, he, he was the voice of the Hokies back in the 70s at one point. No kidding. Yeah. How about this recently in the last uh, 10 years we're doing this? Corey Provis did uh, Tech – Women's basketball and baseball mm-hmm. uh, before Andrew Allegretta. Now he's the voice of Minnesota Twins. Very good for him. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. No. So uh, what about Carter Blackburn? What wasn't Carter involved with? Uh, that that name's always sounded familiar to me. He calls games for ESP football games for ESPN now. Carter, uh, no, he's a CBS. He called the Old Dominion Tech game on okay. CBS Sports. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he used to work for ISP or something uh, like yeah, that. That did. name rings I mean, a bell. I right. he, I, yeah. I'll have to I have to ask Bill then. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 
Let, let's do this. Uh, I'm sure we've got questions to get to. Malcolm, give me a head. Do we have questions? Okay. Let's do this. Uh, let's take a timeout. We just talked about the bowl game. Let's come back. We're going to talk about Duke and Tech men's basketball because we want to dive into that a little bit. And then I promise we'll get to your questions here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, a lot more to get to. Don't go anywhere. This is TSL Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We're off and running on a busy Monday morning podcast recording on December 9th. We've got Malcolm Stewart, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Evan Hughes along with you. I uh, just talked about the Justin Hamilton hiring, the uh, Belk Bowl, which the Hokies are going to be playing Kentucky on New Year's Eve. Let's talk a little Hokie hoops here before we get to your questions on the Tech Sideline Podcast. And Virginia Tech played Duke on Friday, their second ACC game of the year, led for the entire first half, had a lead at halftime, ended up falling by double digits to Duke. But it's funny, I actually ran into Malcolm and Will after the game, and we were talking just outside of Castle, and we both had pretty positive vibes even despite the loss. Well, I think we left that game kind of feeling optimistic about the performance Tech put together. A couple of days removed, what are your thoughts? Well, and I got even more optimistic after listening to Coach K after the game. Uh, uh, do a little 10-minute uh, um, post-game press conference. Uh, so Virginia Tech led about 25 minutes of that game. Uh, Virginia Tech got up 2 nothing. Duke hit a three-pointer to go up 3-2. to two. Then Tech took the lead and didn't give it up until it was something like 56-55. And then it got out of hand. Uh, they got outscored 17-2 to two down the stretch. And uh, so I, I was impressed with Tech's composure and the way they played. Um, uh, Duke did an excellent job defending Landers Nolly, got him very frustrated. Nolly had nine turnovers. And as someone on the message board aptly put it, and most of them were his fault. Yeah, seven of them were his fault. <laughs> and wow. he had that bad, yeah. bad flagrant one foul at the end of the game. Yeah, and, and I actually saw that. I was looking straight at him when he did it. He just uh, – so that, that, that's – I don't want to delve too far into that, but what a great learning experience for Landers Nolly. Um, you know, but so many guys for Tech played so well. Um and at first I was like, oh, that's nice. They're, they're putting up a fight, you know. And then, and then into the second half I was thinking to myself, hmm, Virginia Tech might, might actually win this thing if this keeps up. So what Coach K did to adjust was, uh, you know, Tech was with their small lineup was beating Duke off the uh, – a little bit off the dribble but a lot on the cuts. So Coach K says to heck with it and scraps his lineup and sits his big guys down, puts Jack White at the five and uh, – switches faster on the cuts and, and Duke's defense got a lot better and Tech got really frustrated there towards the end but but what I found interesting after the game was I listened to uh, I watched the video of Coach K's postgame presser and he was very complimentary of Mike Young he, he and the way Mike prepared his team for the game and, and the game plan that he had to me what it boils down to is Mike Young dictated the game to Mike Krzyzewski to the point where Shashevsky had to adjust to what Virginia Tech was doing. That's pretty impressive. And one of the reporters asked uh, asked uh, Shashevsky, um, "Did did you know Mike Young?" And 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 Shishevsky said, "No, just by reputation. You know, he's got a reputation of being a really good coach." And and he was very complimentary of Mike Young. He was very complimentary of Landers Nolly. 
And just just in general, Coach K's whole vibe was uh, Virginia Tech's going to win some basketball games. Um, and getting into my vehicle, getting into the truck after the game, uh, I did not hear Mike Young's part of the uh, um, post game with Laser and Burnup, and I didn't go back and listen to it either. But what Laser and Burnup were saying was that, that apparently when when Mike was on with them. The, the whole vibe I think that's running through the tech program right now is they're progressing faster than pretty much anybody expected, maybe even Mike Young. And he may have used the word close because Laser and Burnham said, you know, this, this team is close. Now, close is relative. That doesn't mean, you know, a month from now they're going to be tearing up the ACC. It might take time. I just think they're progressing a lot quicker than, than – than, I thought, and then the most people thought. So that's my takeaway. I agree with all that. Um, I actually have more to say about the the Duke game than anything about Justin Hamilton because (laughs) the staff's incomplete. How much can I really say? Well, Um, and I I think, to be fair, I think we've covered the whole Hamilton thing, and I I, I think I've got everything I wanted to get out about that. So the Duke game, I agree with everything Will said. I'm also going to play bad cop and recognize that the ACC absolutely screwed Duke with scheduling this week. Oh, yeah, we have have to. Uh, And and Coach um, K covered this. Playing at Michigan State. uh, I mean, they played at Michigan State at 930 on Tuesday night. They get back to Durham at 4 a.m. on Wednesday, so they can't practice on Wednesday. And then they play Tech on Friday, so they get a one-hour practice. For some reason, they, they oh they couldn't stay in Blacksburg. They had to stay. Visiting teams this year have to stay in Roanoke because they always stay at the inn. And, right. And, and, the, and the inn is right housing to a bunch of freshman students. Right. Year. Right. So Duke had to stay. Duke couldn't even do a shoot around in Blacksburg. Um, or in Roanoke. Uh, I, from what I, I know. assume they probably did one at, at home before they left. I'm sure they found a place in Roanoke to do a morning of the game shoot around. Yeah. You have to do that. Um, but Duke practiced for exactly one hour between the Michigan State game and the Virginia Tech game. Coach K said, we just had our – we ran a regular motion offense. We could not install any specific sets for this game for our opponent. And so, he's not complaining. This is fair commenting. This, this is fair commenting because they – and Virginia Tech played last Wednesday. All right, Virginia Tech had eight days – well, give it a day or two of travel from Hawaii, but – Virginia Tech had six or seven days to prepare for this game. Duke had one hour, basically. Yeah, yep. um, so if, if both teams had three days, maybe it's not quite as impressive as it looked. What, what I think about Mike Young, and he said this after the game, he's like, like a football coach, man, you give me a week to prepare, we're going to be all right. Um, <laughs> so he had the whole offseason to prepare for Clemson, Tech won. He had a whole week to prepare for Michigan State, Tech won. He had a whole week to prepare for Duke, Tech played a good game and almost won. This is um, quite the opportunity, and uh, they almost and took, they almost took pulled advantage it off. of it. Right. Now, when they looked terrible was against Dayton, and they just had overnight to prepare. Yeah. And against BYU, just overnight. Um, these freshmen, they can't adjust on the fly. All right. It's not so much about game planning when you're going day to day. It's about just who's going to go out there and play the best with their base offense and base defense. Hmm. And Tech's not capable of doing that at this point. Interesting um, comments. Yeah. So when, when you get into ACC play and they start playing two games a week and they don't have a whole week to prepare, and when the other team has the exact same amount of time to prepare, it's, 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 not, it's all not going to be roses every night. You, you know, it's, it's all not going to be like the first half against Duke where they're just going out and dominating. Um, so I agree with everything you said, but – 
let's also pump the brakes here and realize that yes we all like to accuse the ACC of of uh, being biased towards the Carolina schools with scheduling and things like that but they absolutely hose Duke by making this a Friday night game just for ACC uh, for you know the ACC network that's yeah. why this game was yeah, played was on ACC Friday network night. Game. it's an yeah. ACC network game and the ACC network does not have com or the Comcast does not have the ACC network right now and the reason so many Virginia Tech and UVA games have been on the ACC network for both football and basketball is because the ACC wants Tech and UVA fans to continue to breathe down Comcast. Yeah. Net, Comcast also, why Boston College was on so much to begin the season, ACC network. They had right. to have it up there. <laughs> right. Uh, Virginia and North Carolina, number five versus number seven, they played on Sunday on the ACC network, right? So – the whole Virginia Tech Duke thing—that's that's a calculator. That's Friday night to try to get Comcast on board, and they want Tech fans breathing down Comcast's neck, yeah. and they screwed Duke to do it. Solid point, man. Um, yeah, no, that's, I, interesting, I, that's interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah, and and you don't expect the ACC to do that. So I've actually got a lot more to say about Duke, Coach K, Virginia Tech basketball, Mike Young, the ACC, yeah. actually doing that to their golden child. Um, I've got a lot more to say about that than I do Justin Hamilton. I know we don't have time for it um, because the Hamilton hire isn't complete yet because you don't know who's going to be around him and things like that. We'll, so we'll keep covering that. That, that, yeah. that, that, that story's not final. I mean, we're near finalized yet. But uh, to me, that's what really what I took away from that Duke game was uh, how the ACC was like, yeah, we know you're Duke, but you know we need that Comcast money. So you're playing on Friday night doesn't matter that you, that, that you had no time to prepare for the game. You ought to win it anyway because you're Duke, right? I'll tell you what, you put Duke in that same position two years from now after after Mike Young's been coaching this team for du two, oh, four years. Oh, Duke would not win that game two years, maybe even a year from now. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't know what players Duke will have a year from now. Yeah, we don't know what players Tech will have a year from right, now. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Duke's not as talented this year. There, there's, there, there's no – I think their leadership's better, though. Oh, I've, to me, Trey be, Jones, not I've, Trey Young. I think we Kay, leadership the other day. I think Shashevsky really enjoys coaching this group, right. but they're not they're not as good as they were last year. They, they don't they don't have three lottery picks like or three or four lottery picks like they had last year. I mean, that was ridiculous. <sighs> Real quick, I do want to throw this out there because one thing they're doing differently in uh, in Castle this year is general admission uh, to the, For the students. students. Yeah. Did you guys see how packed? Yeah. The student section was not just all the way to the top, but to the sides. Yeah. It was I, I took, packed. Well, it was and they four, 40, 40 minutes before tip. Um, the only part of the student section that wasn't filled was a part up behind the band. Yeah, that was for. I took a picture of it and then tweeted on my personal account. Student section, forty minutes before tip off. Somebody came up and started talking to me, and and I hit submit on the tweet without actually putting the photo in there, oh, and, I, yeah. and I didn't realize it until like. 20 minutes later and i just saw my tweet and i'm like where's the picture oh man i forgot Bummer. to put it in there oh well that was uh i got a couple t-shirts out of it too one for me and one for my daughter there you go because <laughs> they were putting orange t-shirts over yeah over behind what, all of the seats not just the student section it, anyway it, it is this is a topic for another uh podcast but it is interesting you know a lot of people talk about the student section and lane and students staying and but I tell you what, basketball is a different story. If you look at non-conference this year, that was a game we were losing by 16 points late, and the students didn't leave. I'm telling you, it's too bad you can't make as much money off of basketball as you can football, because otherwise, I would counsel Whit Babcock to it's, go hard to the hole on basketball. I, right. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's the games are indoors. Um, 
they're only two hours. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a big deal. These football games are too long for and, people's and, attention spans. And these the days. breaks, the media breaks. Uh, I was thinking about this after the game. Um, they don't seem as long, and they're just they're able to keep the fans engaged. Well, and the, you, yes, because it's an intimate environment. You know, uh, something's always going on. You know, there's a high tech dance. Uh, there's a cool halftime show. You know, you got a dog halftime show, a dog chasing a frisbee, frisbee, and it's right there in front of you. You R- can uh, see it. Red panda. Uh, is that her yeah, name? Later. Right, right. Later. So it's, oh my it's, gosh. A, it's a lot easier Unreal. to keep people engaged during a basketball game than it is yeah. a football game. So let's. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that Malcolm's ready for this. Let's throw it over to Malcolm because what I see in in talking to Malcolm and his buddies, they follow the NBA. They like basketball. They wear basketball jerseys. Hundred sure. percent. So many Nikhil Alexander Walker jerseys. Uh, Utah. Uh, J- J- I call it, why the I Pelicans. The Pelicans. Pelicans. Yeah. Um, so many Nikhil Pelicans jerseys I've seen around town this year. I don't think I ever hear him and his friends talking about the NFL or or really football all that. Much. I don't even watch the NFL anymore. So what do you think, Malcolm? <laughs> hmm. Come on, man. I told you to start engaging faster. No dead air well, when we throw it over. <laughs> to go you. hard in the hole, buddy. Uh. Put simply, basketball is more engaging and it's easier to follow. There's less uh, players per team. It's more personal because you can see them a lot closer. Like if you go to a football game, mm-hmm. you don't make you don't you don't have the chance to make eye contact with a football player. That's, yeah. that's extremely. You low. can look into on, you can look at Wabisa Beatty's face and tell the emotion he's feeling yeah. at a basketball game. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a it's a really good point. I mean. Yeah, I think we could do a whole other podcast on that. But I, I do think it's interesting, even from our freshman year, Malcolm and I are the same age. Is your head up here right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> right, should we wave like to him? Like yeah. <laughs> it is interesting to think about our freshman year, the student section in basketball, where it was then and like where it is now, and the success the last couple of years has kind of brought. And I mean, seriously, if you, I'm curious, Chattanooga, are you going to be there on Wednesday? I will. Take a picture of the student section, maybe 10 minutes for tip. And I, I, I'm going to throw a guarantee that it's – to the top of the scoreboard, I, I they really do pack the place for non-conference games. So, um, interesting stuff. Okay, last thing I want a quick yes or no. Give me a minute on this because I do think it's worth asking this question, and we might get it on Facebook regarding basketball. Can this team make a run at an NIT berth? I mean, yeah, they can, but you also have to remember that I don't think they will. But you have to remember that it's harder to make the NIT these days. It's not 40-team field anymore. It's 32 teams. And those smaller conference teams that – like Radford, for example. Radford Radford won the Big South. I think they're in the Big South. They won the Big South regular season last year, um, but then lost in the conference tournament. In the past, they wouldn't have gotten anything. But now they're guaranteed an NIT spot because because they won their their regular season. So – that by itself every year eliminates five or six major conference, high major conference teams from the NIT. So there are fewer teams overall, and then the new rules send more low majors mm-hmm. in that field. So it's less, it's a less of a chance that major, high major teams make the NIT these days. Yeah. Much, much less. You, you, these you, days it's NCAA or bust. As you, far as you I'm used concerned. to, just basically have to go 500 to make the NIT. Now you got to do. Tech went. You got to do more than that. That, that year under Greenberg, the, uh, his first year, no, first year in the ACC. Oh four. Tech went 15 and 14 and made the NIT. Yeah. Now yeah. these days you got to win 17, 18, 19 games. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. Which and and that's just I I don't think it's likely. So I I did that that segues into something you and I were talking about before we started recording the podcast. You know what what's your over under for ACC wins for this team? Okay, right and you and I went through the schedule and uh, we we put down UNC, Duke, UVA, and Louisville all as losses. And other than that, there were. There were eight to ten games that we feel are winnable against Clemson, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech. Even the road trip to Notre Dame, I'm, I'm not sure about that one. You know, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I love watching. That's Notre so late Dame. in the season that it's useless to predict some. Yeah, that game is late. I but, believe. But there, but yeah. there were there were there are as many as eight to ten games that they've got a shot at winning. And then you have to consider when Tech gets hot, similar to Michigan State beyond the arc, there's an opportunity for Tech to upset some teams yeah. and, there and they shoot the lights and, out. And Mike Young said after the game against Duke, he said, you know, when they made their change to where they could switch all the time, we didn't handle it well. We will one day. Um, and, I, and, I, and that got me thinking, you know, I don't even know if they've installed the whole offense yet. There might be adjustments he would make to that that he can't make right now because he just hasn't been able to install that part of his offense. Because it's not only a bunch of freshmen out there, but even your most experienced players are adjusting to a new system too. So we don't even know if 100% of his offense will be installed by the end of the year. I mean, this is a process. To Mike Young, this is about the rest of his career. It's not about how good this particular team can be. So he's going to take it slow to a certain extent. Um you know, it's a this year's. He's not going to get fired if he didn't make the Final Four this year, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so th- this is about building something sustainable, long term, and for and for that reason, you know, he's not going to try to force feed them stuff because you don't want to overload them. If you overload them, you're going to make them worse. So you have to find the exact amount of material that they can process in their heads quickly on the court. And if you overload them and give them too much, it's going to make them worse. Yeah. So and and that's going to be an ongoing process. Sure. Yep. Well, just curious because I think that this team, like you're saying, close, maybe exceeding expectations. Fans are high. Just want to throw the postseason question out there. Without further ado, I'm sure we're going to be busy today with our Facebook Live questions. The best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Welcome back onto the couch, Malcolm. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll start with Eric Fisher. Back to uh, Hamilton questions. How much mentoring, in air quotes, do you think Bud will continue to do with him over the next uh, few years? A ton. Hey, let, let me jump in here and make a point um, because I researched this. Uh, <coughs> if you're wondering what Bud's going to be able to do on game days, uh, here, here's a partial answer. Uh, the NCAA allows 20 headsets on game day, and something like 11 or 12 of those are taken up by um, the uh, coaches themselves, a um, couple of GAs, Jerry Kill. Uh, um, Bud's not going to be allowed to sit up in the press box and have a headset on, as, as far as I can tell. So so that's off the table. Uh, he'll probably be able to help during halftime with adjustments, or he may be able to just lean over to whoever does have a headset next to him and say, tell Hamilton to look for this and that. So anyway, go ahead, Chris. Uh, what was the question? Uh, mentoring over the next uh, couple years. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was told – now this was before the hire was made – the middle of last week when the Odom stuff was heating up and uh, everybody's wondering what's going on, I, I was told by somebody that, that, that knows Bud that that when Fuente asked Bud for his official recommendation for defensive coordinator, Bud went all in on Hamilton and said, basically said, if he's your defensive coordinator, then he continues to be my project. And Bud said in the press release yesterday, he had a quote. He said, you know, when we hired Justin a couple years ago, always in the back of my mind, I had 
I had it planned to mentor him to be a defensive coordinator. Not necessarily here at Virginia Tech right now, but at some point that guy was going to be a defensive coordinator, and I wanted to push him towards that. That was my goal. It's really one of the, the last goals of Bud's career is to mentor Justin Hamilton. So, yes, he's all in. This is his project now. You know, that's not his defense anymore. So, he, from that standpoint, he's lost that project. Justin Hamilton is his project right. now. So, yeah, he's going to be in there a lot. I don't think he's going to do much of anything on game day. I think I think Bud just wants to relax on game days and stuff like that. I think Bud wants to work five days a week. and Get there at a reasonable hour, leave at a reasonable right, hour. Right, exactly, and not have to recruit and not have to do anything on game day. I think he wants to go hang out with Coach Beamer in the suite on game day. That's what I'd do if I were him. Um, but I think from – you know, during working hours, Monday through Friday, I think he's going to be all in helping Justin Hamilton. That's that's my view. So Virginia Tech will have the best defensive analysis in the entire country, basically. Mm-hmm. Great question, Eric. Thanks so much. <clears throat> uh, going off of that, from Gary Mitchell, what are your thoughts on Jay Ham putting up his own system over time or starting to tweak the Bud system and making it his own or changing it overall and completely in time? <sighs> If so, how many years might he do that, depending on his success and if he stays on staff for X years? Well, he was defensive coordinator at either VMI or UVA-wise. UVA-wise. I forget which. And uh, Brandon Patterson wrote an article for us earlier this year where he actually went into some – went into a few details about what Justin Hamilton did differently at the, in the UVA-wise scheme uh, relative to the Virginia Tech scheme. And – that article i believe was written this past summer um but i don't remember we run so many articles it's hard for me to remember when they were written brandon has also sent an article that will be posted later today about justin hamilton and brandon's our x's and o's guys uh i have i have not read the article yet because you know we're gonna i I think it was a year-end article that he updated to include the hamilton uh, the hamilton i don't think it's solely based so i mean i don't think it's going to look exactly the same the reason we've heard wiles isn't coming back is because they he and he and Hamilton like each other. I don't want anybody to, to get this wrong. And I, I mean, Charlie, Charlie Wiles recruited Justin Hamilton. Yeah, He had Southwest Virginia back so, then. So let me jump in and read this. Uh, this this is from an article. I, I actually interviewed Hamilton after he committed to Virginia Tech way back in December of, uh, of uh, 2000. <laughs> and so this is, uh, this is Justin Hamilton talking when Justin Hamilton was, uh, was still in high school. I really like Coach Wiles, Hamilton says, of Tech defensive line coach Charlie Wiles, and I misspelled Charlie. How about that? Who (laughs) who recruited him? I think we'll have a good relationship even past the four years that I'm at Virginia Tech. So, you know, if if you're wondering, like Chris said, uh, Charlie recruited Justin Hamilton, and and they've been close over the years. Yeah, um, I think they have. Apparently we're told they have slight disagreements over defensive line play. Um, I don't know whether that means how they're coached, how they're aligned, how they're used. How they're I have recruited. no idea. Right, right. So I, I, I have no idea. So I, I think that's that's the reason Wiles isn't isn't going to be back in the same capacity. Um, I forgot the original question again. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but um, it, to me, I think one of the things to look for is uh, oh, changing defensive scheme, tweaking it. Yeah, it, it, I, I think one of the things you want to look for is. You know, Virginia Tech gets a bad rap that they recruit small defensive linemen. They don't put defensive linemen in the NFL. And I wonder if one of the things that Justin Hamilton is going to do over time is to try to change that reputation. Right. Uh, so th- so that, that could certainly be part of it. Um, so I, I do think we'll see tweaks. Um, 
I don't think we'll see a lot this first year. I don't think we'll see much from from the back end. Um, but but you know maybe we could see some stuff with the defensive line. Uh, that, that's my gut feel right now. I'm going to defer to Brandon Patterson though, and, and have him address it in a, in a in an X's and O's TSL pass article. And so real quick, uh, one of the some of the comments being made by some fans are now wait a minute the uh, safeties group was one of the you know most inconsistent parts of the defense the entire year. What, why do we think Justin Hamilton's a great coach? He he coached a position group that let the defense down a number of times this year. I think that's a fair question. You know, I, I think at this point, you know, any any time a coach uh, has a position group that underperforms, you don't you don't necessarily know if it's the coach or the players. If he has a position group that underperforms multiple years with different groups of players, then clearly it's the coach. So you look at Brian Mitchell last year, Watts and Farley, and uh, did Waller even play defense last About year? About hundred snaps. You know, they weren't good, they weren't good last year, so people were questioning Brian Mitchell's ability to coach corners. Well, they're pretty darn good this year, so that kind of tells you last year it was the players, not the. They've coach. been pretty darn good in three of his four years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, and I also think you remember the safeties have had three different coaches the last three years. Again, getting back to that point, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they weren't particularly good before Justin Hamilton was their coach either. Yeah. So I, I think it's a probably a player issue, and I and we'll say this: we've heard uh, uh, Dabos Winnie thinks his, he might lose a safeties coach after this year, and is extreme was was extremely interested in hiring Justin Hamilton as a safeties coach. And I think if Dabos proven proved to uh, to know anything over the years, it's how to hire assistant coaches, right? Yep, right down to Danny Pierman. Yep. All right. Hmm. <clears throat> Uh, from Matt Charlo, do y'all think there will be more former players that may come back and coach, and will that help better our former players' relationship with Fuente? I think there will be more former players that want to come back to coach. Now, you you can't fill fill an entire staff full of former players that have never coached before, though. I mean that that that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very much in favor of former players coaching, but I need to know that they can coach. They need to have a, some experience somewhere doing something. Gray, but, Gray and Midget can clearly coach. Yes, Gray and Midget can clearly coach. Uh, Daryl Tapp is into coaching now, though he's not the most experienced he's an, he's guy. He's an analyst this year. Uh, he's, a, he's at Vanderbilt this year, and he was at Central Michigan last year. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Midget, obviously. Well, you, I think you said Midget. Yeah. Um, you know, Lauren Johnson is, is a guy, the Highland Springs head coach. Ooh. Um, who was would probably be good? I'd, I'd like um, to hire that guy and tap back. Oh well, I actually have a lot of thoughts on 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 that, and I'm going to put him in a Later. TSL password. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, He's been the most dominant coach in VHSL for the last six years. Just put it at that. Right, and we need and to get by a long shot. And, 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 and has he better a single player to Virginia Tech in that time period? I don't. I don't uh, know. Anything. Well, uh, there were, we were uh, we recruited uh, Virginia Tech recruited Greg Dortch. He went to Wake Forest. Virginia Tech recruited Mackay Becton. He went to Louisville, the offensive lineman. Um, didn't offer Dortch. Oh, didn't offer Dortch. No. Okay, I remember Fuente no, was at one of his. He was at one of his just games. Just when he was hired. Well, you know, Fuente had a month to or less than a month to evaluate him, and the other staffs had like three years. Nah. Or two That's years. That's my bad. I, uh, yeah, uh, sorry. But but yes, Tech Tech did a closely by, by evaluate way, him. Becton wound up getting the award. The what, what's it like called? Top offensive uh, line. And, and honestly, ACC. I didn't think he was any good in high school. 
Uh, I, I just I just didn't think his film was any good. He just he just looked slow. And, but guys as big as Becton, you can never really tell because you never know how hard they're trying against guys that are right. 150 pounds lighter than that. Yeah. Right? Anyway, he, he's built a culture just incredible at Highland Springs. So anyway, part of the question was, will this help Virginia Tech's relationships with previous That's a great players? Point. Which, but yes, you know, it will. But uh, but if those players are thinking they can come into town on the weekend and hang out with Justin Hamilton. Right. Uh, no, Justin's got a coach. Right. But the players aren't that dumb. Right. Right. Um, I don't. I don't think it's a panacea or a cure all, but right. uh, can't hurt. There. There is a culture at Tech about hiring former players. Now I was reading one of our former players' Twitter accounts yesterday, and he was like, "And and now we need to hire D'Angelo Hall, and now we need to hire uh, hire Daryl Tapp, and now we need to hire." I mean, basically, he went through an entire staff, and it was all former Virginia Tech players, most most of which had never even coached before. Right. So there are some former players with that perception that you can just bring a bunch of former players back and just have them all start coaching, and everything will be perfect. And and that's not the case. You have you have. I do think as Virginia Tech, because there are that expectations from the fan base and former players, there have to be a happy balance. To me, Justin Hamilton is that happy balance, and and I'd be fine with like. I'd even, I'd even, JC Price is another. I'd even, I'd even, yeah, right. I'd even be fine with like Jack Tyler as linebackers coach, and I'm certainly fine with a tech guy as a cornerbacks coach. Clearly, but it has to be a guy with coaching experience. It it can't be like you can't bring D'Angelo Hall in here with no coaching experience and have expect him to be able to coach corners. I'd expect him to recruit, but I don't know about coaching. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. uh, Last one. But I've, I've thought about this before. It's from Matt Williams. General question to, about college football and the portal. Mm. Uh, we're in the season of coaching changes. I'm poking Malcolm. Oh. <laughs> but like never before, the portal can have a significant impact on a program following a coaching change. Could you see a worst-case scenario eventually happening where a coach is fired and enough players transfer out that it can literally cause a program to fold? Literally cause it to fold? Uh, hmm. I, I don't. I don't know that I. Now he's not asking about Virginia Tech. I think he's asking in general. Yeah, I, I know what I know what he's yeah. asking. Uh, I don't. No, nah, it's too much TV money. Like they'd make them throw a team out there, walk-ons, just for to collect all the TV they, money. They, they'd go grab uh, a bunch of guys from the portal themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that. That's what. That's what would happen. Um, I, I do think that it, I could see a situation one year where there's such a toxic vibe in an athletic department. Where maybe the athletic director is an interim guy, the head coach has just got fired, was really popular, and the whole atmosphere, like I said, was just toxic. And I could see maybe 20 or 30 guys jumping in the portal or something like that. Um, but I, I don't see it making forcing a program to fold. Well, keep, keep a couple of couple of comments. Number one, keep keep an eye on uh, Florida State. There's some interesting <laughs> stuff going on there. Yeah. You know, just uh, uh, but but Florida State has has enough uh, player amenities that that a lot of players will stay. So yeah, amenities. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, some above board and some not above board. But uh, what else did I want to say? Um, you look at Louisville. I think Louisville led the country in players transferring out, and look where they are now. You know they're better because those players left. So to 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 answer the question, we haven't seen anything like that. It's an interesting question, and it's something I'll keep an eye out yeah. for. Maybe one day you will see a situation so toxic that a team really gets gutted. The closest thing we have to it is probably Louisville. I don't even want to mention Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech had a lot of guys transfer out. Remember the Boston College gambling scandal back in the early nineties mm-hmm. when they got put on probation. 
you know, I think maybe it takes a situation like that where somebody gets put on probation and maybe they get hammered. Right. Like, no, you know, not not the death penalty or anything I like just, that. I just don't think players care about that stuff I don't think anymore. they necessarily care about that anymore, but, but like, it would cause the whole coaching staff to get fired. Yeah. Uh, maybe they couldn't hire anybody good because nobody wants to coach a program going on probation. Right. Uh, so maybe that combined with a lot of toxic atmosphere stuff like that uh, – so I, I don't I don't I don't think I'd, I could ever see one being gutted, but I do think the potential is there one day to lose maybe twenty guys in one year or something. One like thing that. to remember is that people are resistant to change. So just because all kinds of change occurs in the coaching staff and things like that, that doesn't mean you know you're asking a player to to leave the school he's at and go somewhere else. Most players are going to go. Oh, I think I'll just hang in there and see what happens. Yeah, you know, not most, but a good yeah. portion of them. Good it's question. An interesting Malcolm. question. Yeah. Yeah. Is that all you got, Malcolm? All right. So how far into it are we now? We're pretty far we're, in. Right? We're about time yeah, to wrap about, it up. We have time to wrap up. Yeah. All right. Um, any closing thoughts? You want to add anything? Well, I, I think, like I said earlier in the podcast. Uh, uh, I think we covered everything we have to say about the Hamilton and coaching situations, and we'll see if any news comes out in the next couple of days. Yeah, that's why we have the podcast on uh, on Wednesday. Um, yeah, as far as I know, we're going to do another podcast on Wednesday. Um, uh, you know, uh, let's let's tentatively plan on it because right. there could be more news coming out between now and Wednesday. Yeah, no um, kidding. So so maybe we should make the decision. And we'll we'll talk about this afterwards. Do we want to keep doing the podcast twice a week, all through football season, all through basketball well, oh, through football. Th- right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and then reevaluate it at the end of, yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, you know what's coming? What's happening on TSL this week? I don't know. Okay. Well, we do have an article from Brandon Patterson. We do have an we article from Brandon Patterson. I'm going to write, obviously, many things. Uh, well, you're going to do an Inside the Numbers this week, right? I, I guess. <laughs> I, I assume I will. Um, I did one last week, but I don't know. There, there, there are no new numbers to update. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, I'm a week ahead, week behind or um, ahead of myself, so never mind. I do, I do need to do a final true freshman report, so I'll probably find a way to work that in somewhere too. I don't understand why the basketball game on Wednesday is at 8:30 at night. ACC Network. Yeah, it's actually on the. So, so let's cover that. Uh, our original TSL schedule said ACC Network Extra. I think I it just did. made a mistake. Virginia Tech's um, schedule said ACC Network. Right. The big difference, the and X so, is extra. Yeah. And the network is the, 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 the channel. So Wednesday's game is on the actual ACC actual Network. Channel. I'm really starting extra. to despise that channel. I won't lie to you. Hey, man. I don't I even don't get it. D- Dish it. Network, baby. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, why I complain about that is uh, I get up at 6.30 every Thursday morning because I've got a workout, a personal right. training workout. So I won't be done covering that game till after midnight. And I, so Just give me a 7 o'clock tip. It's Tech versus Chattanooga, for goodness sake. Anyway, hmm. continue. No, that's all right. I, so, that, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what's going on this week. we got men's basketball Wednesday against Chattanooga. Sunday uh, is, uh, I want to say, Maryland Eastern Shore. I'm not 100% uh, sure. I know they're in there somewhere. I don't remember which. Uh, on are. Sunday they have, uh, excuse me, Gardner-Webb. So uh, that's the, uh, the two games this week for men's basketball. Women's basketball, do want to shout them out. They picked up a 13-point uh, win against Purdue in the ACC Big Ten Challenge on Thursday against a very consistent NCAA tournament team in Purdue. It's a really good win for Virginia Tech. And so they their f- record is? Uh, they won yesterday against Gardner-Webb. They are 8-1. and one. Good. Good start. Yep, and their lone loss was to Georgia, who's a pretty good team out of the SEC. No, the key to them is they always have a good non-conference start. 
And what hurt them last year is their start in ACC play. So yep. they've got to keep some consistency up as the calendar turns. Wrestling, uh, a couple wrestlers placed at the uh, Cliff Keen Invitational uh, out in Vegas. Uh, their next uh, duel is, uh, I believe, against uh, Chattanooga, December twenty-first. Yeah, that's fairly soon. Yep, that's yeah. uh, that's coming up. So uh, in Castle, yeah. right? That's in Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah against uh, against Chattanooga. So that's just uh, that's about what's going on in Tech Athletics right now. It's a great way for us to uh, to close Tech Sideline podcast. Again, we'll keep you posted uh, regarding what we're going to do on Wednesday, but uh, there could be some more news that's coming out. And uh, we'll be able to talk about Tech Chattanooga basketball. That'll do it for this edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. As always, for those that watched on Facebook, thanks so much for dropping excellent questions. And we look forward to the next Subscribe and like on YouTube. and like. Yes, yes. Please subscribe and like. Uh, which our fans do a good job of, by the way. When I go watch, they do it. You know, we could always always right. get some more of so all right for our fantastic producer malcolm stewart on the podcast set our managing editor chris coleman our founder and head honcho will stewart i'm evan Hughes. so long thanks so much for listening and watching the tech sideline podcast presented by the official law firm